Unsilencing Stories is a podcast that reflects the voices of people in small towns and communities in Canada who have lost loved ones to the toxic drug supply crisis. Since 2016, more than 30,000 people have died from fatal overdoses in Canada, and that number continues to climb. The risk in smaller towns and communities is much higher than in urban areas because of a lack of harm reduction services and stigma against substance use and people who use drugs. This podcast is part of a community-based participatory research project facilitated by Erin Goodman, PhD, a faculty member at Kwatlen Polytechnic University in Surrey, BC, along with students Jenna Keeble and Ashley Pokernich. The aim was to assist collaborators in publicly memorializing their loved ones and expressing grief, as well as challenging silences imposed by dominant media organizations and stigma from society against substance use and people who use drugs. We hope these nuanced stories make a clear why the government needs to be doing more to prevent further deaths. In this episode, you'll hear Tiffany Vaughn interviewing Tasia McLucky in Courtney, BC. Tasia memorializes Brandon, her cousin who experienced a fatal overdose at age 26. My name is Tasia McLucky. Where do you live, Tasia? I currently live in Courtney, BC. Is there one person that you are wanting to talk about? Yeah, I wanted to share a little bit about my cousin. Um, his name's Brandon. How old was Brandon? <sighs> he was 26 years old. Him and I were the same age. I'm, I'm 32 now. We were born four weeks apart to the day. So it was much like a sibling. Mm-hmm. You know, that my mom and, uh, and my aunt we spent a lot of time together when we were born. Mm-hmm. My auntie Wendy was her first son, and I was the, the third of my mom. So mm-hmm. I'm sure she took some advice there. <laughs> what to do? What's your um, very first memory with your cousin? Oh man, you know memories are a funny thing. When I think about him it's kind of like a reel that like plays through my head. I was even thinking that like, even like the sound of like his laugh is getting more faint. That makes me sad. Mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house when we were really little. They had an in-ground pool. So it was like a built-in babysitter. He has two siblings as well. Yeah, I, I just recall, you know, time in the basement at my grandparents' house with them and, swimming in their pool. It's just these, these snapshots that kind of like live in my head. Mm-hmm. Did you go to school with your cousin as well? I didn't. Um, we, we lived in different cities. Mm-hmm. How often did you guys see each other? A lot. I would say, I don't know, a few times a month, um, at least until I was probably, I want to say around like 10 uh, sh- shortly after that, our, our grandparents moved. The house that they had in Port Moody was just huge, and my grandparents moved up to the Okanagan. So after after they moved, we we saw each other uh, not as much as we, I think, had wanted to. But If there were three words, how would you describe your cousin? Funny, loving, and kind. What was your cousin's journey? What did it look like? and your role in it my memories of him i just remember him like you know wanting love wanting to be loved and uh once our grandparents moved and we saw each other less 
I think there was a like a real lack of connection in his life. He didn't have a lot of friends and life changed for him. I don't know, just like the end of his high school years, just kind of getting caught up with, I guess, the lonely crowd. I don't know what the last few years of his life looked like because um, I also was misusing a prescribed medication that ultimately led to you know, overusing that medication and supplementing that with what I could buy from the street. The financial situation that I was in kept me safe mm-hmm. from where he ended up. I, uh, my substance use disconnected me from everyone in my family. And he was also unhoused when he died. So getting a hold of him was, wasn't easy. The last time I tried to reach out to him um, was just before he died, actually, because I had done a stint in treatment and um, and I just wanted to see what I could do to help him. And I so I reached out to his sister and just wanted to like know where he was or just wanted to like talk to him and like tell him that it's like possible. Mm-hmm. Then she said she hadn't talked to him in a while. It'd been like a few weeks since she had talked to him. And, and um, you know, I tried to reach out to his like alias Facebook account and yeah, he just never got the message. Where was he unhoused at that and, time? Uh, he was living in Surrey. In Surrey, was, yeah. Yeah, he was just on the streets. He uh, was like mainly a stimulant user. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he just, he was, he was not well. And Do you know if he tried to get help on his own? I I don't know for sure. What I do know that I think is that if there were available options to him and compassion, that things might be different because he just like wanted to be loved mm-hmm. more so than I think like the average person. You know, I think we're all born with a soul and some of us just like need a little extra. Mm-hmm. How has life changed for you since his passing i've always been like the why kid i there was never just like a simple answer for me that was ever good enough and the impact that brandon's death has had on me is it just like motivated me to figure out how how does something like this happen you know how does a kid die on the street like what are we missing you know and I spent the last couple of years working as like an outreach and support worker in mental health and substance use with those that are unhoused. I have just made it a goal to understand and want to change like the narrative. I guess something good like came out of it, but I'm just really tired of people having to like die for something good to come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. If your cousin could come back, what would you want to say to him and what would you want to spend your day like with him right now? What would you do? Probably go swimming. I hate swimming. You hate swimming? I do. <laughs> Not a water baby at all, but he liked to swim. Yeah. And then I would ask him what he needs. Mm-hmm. I read that question too. And I, I wrote that down. I wrote like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. What is missing that you're not getting in your in your life? What mm-hmm. are, what's the connection that's not happening for you to to want to stay? I think that the system like that was around like him and like myself at that time told us like what we needed. 
and what we needed to do. And I was just lucky enough to get through that, you know, mm-hmm. really. And and it was hard. And what I was told, like, I needed, that's not true now. I mean, it, it worked, but it's not true. Could have been different. And I don't think that people asked him what he needed. Mm-hmm. So do you think that that component is missing from the outreach programs that do exist right now? I think it's missing from the views that people who don't do this kind of like work or don't have someone that has died or don't have like that personal connection. But until it's like, till everyone does it, we're just reacting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for actually going through an experience then gaining that compassion for the people that are going through that to actually ask the right questions to know, find out what they need and where they actually think they need the most help and guidance, right? I, I completely understand that. Do you remember your cousin's laugh or his smile? You know what I can picture? Like, I just, it keeps like flashing for me. It's like, he had this huge smile, like just this, it just radiated. Oh, I wish I could describe sound. Mm-hmm. Is there one thing that you want everyone to know about your cousin? Or two He was things? a human being and he deserved better. He mattered. Mm-hmm. He mattered to his mom. Like this almost destroyed her. And he he doesn't get to see his nieces and and his sister and where she is and her marriage and like who she's become and his brother and like that that's just it's so final for him and mm-hmm. he just didn't deserve it i don't even know if that's the right word mm-hmm. are you going to do anything or have you done anything to honor your cousin's memory in the time that he's passed a couple of years ago mom stop the harm did a, a picture with with crosses um, in Powell River and it was anyone that I think it started in Calgary and so the the woman who was a part of it in Powell River there was probably 40 of us there and we had all these crosses made and donated and we um, just took a picture and joined in that movement of like who we've lost mm-hmm. um, and like both for that project and and this one I had asked my auntie when he's permission to to be able to do that and you know i could gave her a call this morning and i was like i just want to email like this is happening today and she's like and i told you like you can talk about him like i love that Mm -hmm. but it's her son you know so i just want to make sure that it's like what she would want for him too Mm -hmm. do you think your cousin wherever he is is this might sound silly, but do you think he is playing sports, dancing, doing art? What do you think he's doing wherever he may be? I like to think he feels loved. Mm-hmm. I like to think that he is content and um, loved. Just loved overall. And laughing. Loved and laughing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did he ever tell you a joke that has never left you? Or did you know, he ever wish, play a prank on you? You know, I, I wish I, I could, like, recall those memories. And I and I just I, I just can't. I remember eating and ice cream in, like, his, his parents in their basement. And 
I, I just remember like little moments memory I have of him. He's always smiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of candies? Cause I remember eating blue whales like crazy. Oh my gosh. One five cent those like, I don't even think they're five cents anymore, but, <laughs> <laughs> but five cent candies were like hard as rocks, like those, the strawberries and the bananas and like the water. Breaking your pieces. teeth. <laughs> oh yeah. For sure. You had to get like a putty knife to pull it off your tooth. Uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah. And those freezies. Oh my goodness. So. Oh good. yeah. Like huge. Like the jumbo ones. Every time. Oh yeah. Those are the only kind you should have. <laughs> did your cousin have a favorite saying, or like, did he ever, um, you know, end how you guys talked with a specific phrase or anything? I just remember him always being like silly. Again, I. I, I can't like recall like specific conversations. I'm, I'm such like a visual learner. Just like yeah. a, so like uh, what was said doesn't necessarily like register for me. But his facial expressions. Do. Yeah. I, I remember just like the funny movements he would make and, and yeah, just like the visual of him in those moments are what are like ingrained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd have to say the same for my brother as well. Just certain movements that mm. now if I see his kids doing it, it's like, there's your you dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do you see that in his, in your cousin's sisters or mom or dad? Oh man. I, uh, because my cousin uh, and like his sister and I, we, we live so far away. I haven't even seen, I've been able to see them and, I mean, COVID has happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I haven't really seen anyone in two years. That's uh, had a huge impact. Um, but yeah, no, I haven't seen them in a few years. My, but my kids now get with the world of technology. They have like the kids messenger, so they like FaceTime each other, and like they've actually never like met in person to even remember each other. Um, and but they FaceTime each other all the time. Yeah. And they just did that kind of like on their own accord. So it's, it's pretty That's, neat to watch yeah. our kids. Like we were friends as kids and now our kids are starting to be friends and your cousins are like your first best friends. Your cousins are always your first best friends. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's I really neat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am really sorry for the loss of your cousin. I, I know, I know how close I am with many of my cousins And like you just said, they are your first best friend. They really are. And I, I know how deep that loss would be for me as well. So I'm very sorry for the loss of your cousin. Thank you. It's just, it's not okay. No, more needs to be done. And that's honestly, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why you're doing what you're doing. That's why Aaron's doing what he's doing. Like I, I, I just, I'm, I get so angry when I think about it. I work at a, at a uh, warming center or did actually. Um, And we like primarily serve people who are unhoused quite more often than not, um, not medicated regularly for any of their mental health, just because they are on the street 
and our services are like super low barrier. We provide referrals to to everything. Like when someone asks me what I do for work, I'm like, depends on the moment really. And we store things for them and they get to see doctors five days a week that come in. And there's so many services that this place provides. And I've personally seen someone go from like being revived after an OD to who now has a job, like a full-time job Mm -hmm. in like six months, just because they were shown all this love. And we're the only service in my community that has access for them. And last Wednesday, uh, we had like an emergency staff meeting called and we're told that we don't have funding. And we actually had to close our doors on Saturday. You know, on average, we see 75 people a day. And we said, we gave them, you know, two days notice. They have nowhere else to go. And it's cold in Alberta, but it is wet in BC. That was going to be actually one of my questions. So out of my loss, I'm actually starting a foundation. And I know a lot of people have started foundations and it's a lot of work. Um, But that's where a lot of the issues lie is the funding and the resources. And and I I know here in Alberta, um, in, in the situation that we dealt with, barriers such as transportation, like something as easy as transportation is not easy for these people that need help, right? Like some of them have the place to go to get the help that they need, but they can't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of barriers, but the financial one is is critical. And I'm doing whatever I can to raise money to help even one person, right? Because you can't help everybody. No, you can't. You know, I just I just want it to stop being so goddamn hard. It's like we have an expectation that the most vulnerable population needs to work harder because they have mm-hmm. to they say things like they have to want it. Just make no sense. It's like telling someone who doesn't have any legs to go for a run. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect analogy. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And we have to you have to fight so hard for that funding and God forbid you make a mistake on a, on a form. That's mm-hmm. it. People who make these decisions should have to have mandatory volunteer hours at the places mm-hmm. that they are taking the funding from. And they should also have to be able to tell them because the Agreed. person who had a full-time job would have died without our services. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Unsilencing Stories podcast. To listen to more interviews in the series, please go to www.unsilencingstories.com. And if you'd like to share your thoughts on the episode, message us at unsilencingstories at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And please share the project of other people you know.